welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series three and this is episode five. This is Jesus starts touring around Galilee, travelling throughout Galilee. We're going to read the accounts of this from uh, Mark uh, chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 4 in a few moments. But let's just uh, capture the context, first of all, just to remind ourselves of uh, everything that's happened and what the significance of this is in the bigger story. We're now quite well into the description of uh, Jesus coming back and starting his public ministry in Galilee, having been baptised by John the Baptist, being in the desert, being tempted by Satan, being in Jerusalem. Uh, he's now back in Galilee. He's established himself at uh, the fishing town or village of Capernaum, and he has been to Nazareth, his hometown, spoken in the synagogue, explained his ministry, um, had a difficult rejection at Nazareth, but he's now based in Capernaum. And reputation of Jesus is spreading far and wide very, very quickly. He's causing quite a sensation. No one like him has been seen uh, in Israel uh, for many hundreds of years. Uh, and uh, he's uh, creating a real sensation. The healing miracles and the uh, deliverances from evil powers are causing people to uh, give amazing stories about what Jesus can actually do. However, he's been based primarily in Capernaum and the episode immediately before this one describes uh, a key moment uh, in uh, the story because Jesus goes into the synagogue on that day. He sets free a man who has an impure spirit, a an evil spirit. He sets him free from that um, and the man is uh, very delighted. Uh, then he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law in her home in Capernaum and then as we saw at the end of last episode after sunset which is the end of the Sabbath day when people are not supposed to move around to do any any work or any special uh, energetic activity. After sunset people came to Jesus. They found him and numerous people in and around Capernaum were healed, set free from demonic spirits on that day. So that's the immediate event that's actually happened. Jesus has had a phenomenally successful day of ministry in Capernaum. He's performed many, many miracles. He's gained a good reputation. He's taught in the synagogue and people are coming to him. Most of those people would be people in and around the Capernaum area. And the question is, what does he do next? It would be very easy for him to stay in Capernaum, to uh, find a public place where he can teach regularly, perhaps by the lakeside, perhaps in the marketplace. Um, he could teach in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He could teach on the main road coming in and out of the town. There are all sorts of possibilities that he could um, settle in that area because he's been very successful and people are likely to travel to hear him and to meet him and for him to uh, lay hands on them and heal them if they are sick. So what happens next is very important. And 
Mark, in Mark 1, verses 35 to 39, describes what happens immediately um, after all the people had gone home from a late night healing session, which took place between sunset and bedtime, a short period of time. So let's read Mark 1, verses 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now I said to you that the obvious thing would be for Jesus to stay put in Capernaum and for people to come to him. But notice what happens. He's been having a very busy day on the Sabbath. That involves praying for a lot of people after sunset in the evening, as our last episode showed. And yet it says here that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place. So after only a very few hours sleep, a very short night, after a very busy day, Jesus deliberately got up before everybody else and he went to find a solitary place. Now for Jesus to find a solitary place from this moment onwards was always going to be difficult. People were always pursuing him, wanting to meet him, listen to him, receive help from him, be prayed for by him. So he went off to a solitary place. Now I imagine that this meant he went out of the village or the town and into the nearby countryside, which is fairly hilly. So there are places you can go um, quietly in the fields uh, or, or with the animals or out on the hillside. And he prayed. Now, we don't know exactly the dynamics of that prayer, what, what was said by, by Jesus, what he felt his father was saying to him, but we can easily guess. He was basically saying to his father, what do you want me to do next? And he received a very clear message, uh, go from this place and travel around, spread the message far and wide. So Jesus here does something which he does many, many times, and it's described quite clearly in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Luke, that he took time to pray to his heavenly father and to find the exact will of what his father wanted him to do. And so, although everyone was looking for him, he didn't respond to them, he moved on. There was an expectation in Capernaum that Jesus, having made this sensational entrance and having done these sensational things, would stay in and around the town and spend time with the people. But it was not to be. He travelled throughout Galilee. As we've said before, Galilee is the northern district 
uh, of Israel with um, many, many villages and towns. There were lots of places for Jesus to go. He'd hardly been to anywhere before now. All we know of is him visiting Nazareth, Cana, Capernaum, and there are many, many villages uh, and towns to visit. Now, Matthew tells us a little bit more about this first preaching tour. I wonder if you could join me in Matthew 4, 23 to 25. This is a parallel uh, account. But Matthew doesn't tell us about the uh, time of going to pray. He tells us in more detail what happened when Jesus travelled around. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is a sudden explosion of ministry and influence. From a small base in Capernaum, Jesus now extends his influence dramatically all the way across Galilee. And notice how far people came. If you see um, in verse 25, the list given, it includes not only Galilee, which was a big district, but an area called the Decapolis, that means 10 towns, Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan. Now, this means that people were traveling from different provinces. Some of them were traveling from outside the nation of Israel, the Decapolis area, part of it, and other areas beyond the Jordan. And they were traveling up to 150 kilometers to meet Jesus in my estimation, based on the geographical descriptions given here, up to 150 kilometres. Now, that poses a number of questions. How did they travel? Travelling long distance in those days was challenging. On foot, on the back of an animal, a camel or a donkey or whatever other animal, perhaps. It took time. It took energy. It took commitment, it took finance, it took you away from your farming and your work and your family. And yet many people already were willing to go on a very, very long journey in order to meet Jesus. This is remarkable. Uh, there was some sense that they had that here was a unique individual, a unique man called of God, perhaps the Messiah, perhaps the Son of God, perhaps just a great prophet, perhaps just a great healer. They probably didn't know many of these people. But there was a sense of urgency because when they heard that people had been healed, that was very, very exciting. 
And in any society, that is a very exciting reality because we're all wrestling with sicknesses that um, other medical healing and natural healing and time and other factors uh, are sometimes not able to heal. We're all wrestling with these issues and even more so in the ancient world where um, medical science uh, was so, so very basic and so little was known about uh, common diseases. So people travelled and they were not disappointed. This is very interesting. Uh, they, they really experienced healing. There's no doubt about it. And um, Matthew's willing to discuss uh, some of the details. Various diseases. Those suffering severe pain. And anyone listening or viewing this who suffers severe pain will know that that's a very significant phrase. This is a tremendous form of suffering when your body uh, is in severe pain. Maybe because of an illness, maybe because of a, a problem with your back. Uh, there are all sorts of uh, reasons why we can have severe pain. The demon-possessed or uh, alternatively translated, the demonized, those who've been infiltrated with demons. Those having seizures. So they're not able to control their bodily movements. People who are paralyzed. And that begs a question, how did they get there? 100 kilometers, 150 kilometers, even 50 kilometers. Getting a paralyzed person so far required a huge amount of effort. But the wonderful thing that Matthew describes is a very simple phrase, and he healed them. There was a massive experience of healing. So this story tells us of momentum building up as we come to our time of reflecting on what we're learning from this. Momentum is building up from a small geographical beginning at Capernaum. Jesus is now spreading his influence quite deliberately. He's moving around. He's meeting different people. He's creating access to himself um, and he's giving huge amounts of time. It's not stated in this passage, but it's pretty obvious, isn't it? That if hundreds of people come and you have to uh, give them individual attention, it's going to take vast amounts of time. So the few disciples who've gathered around him at this time would have had a pretty big job managing this process and helping Jesus. And where would he stay? Where would he sleep? Where would he rest? Where would he eat? How would he keep the crowds at bay at different times of the day? When would he have time to pray? There are a number of questions that we can't answer directly, but we might want to think about. This was a mass movement beginning to develop in support of Jesus' ministry and to seek healing from him. And he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. That's what it says in verse 23. So it wasn't just about healing. Healing is a sign. This is one of the most important things to remember about healing. It's not a right for us to be healed at all times and in all places of all things for all of our lives. We're all going to die and we may well decline before we die in our health. This is part of natural uh, life. But healing comes through the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospels, it's proclaimed and taught to be primarily um, a sign of something greater. 
It's a great blessing to us when we're healed, but it's a sign of the coming kingdom of God, which is about us entering into a new relationship with God. And that relationship is through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, through the forgiveness that he brings, through atonement, things that we'll describe in more detail uh, later in our series. He proclaimed the kingdom. Not everybody believed in that kingdom, but they all received the healing that he offered. So as we reflect, can I suggest some things to learn from this passage? First of all, going back to Mark's account, we see the significance of personal prayer and finding privacy, a place to pray. Let me put it to you like this. If Jesus needed to find a place to pray, and if he needed to make an effort to do that, to find privacy, then so do you and so do I. I find this a constant challenge. But I notice in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, which we'll study in due course, that Jesus uh, instructs his followers to find a room or a place and to close the door. This is uh, like a decision to find a private place. And it seems like Jesus did something similar. He didn't have his own home. He didn't have his own room. But Jesus would find solitude and privacy very often by separating himself from people and going out into the countryside somewhere or perhaps up a hill. It doesn't really matter what method you use, but what seems to matter very much is uh, that we need that solitude and privacy to relate to our Heavenly Father in prayer. There's a lot of teaching about this in the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll come to in due course, but I'm just um, uh, opening this discussion because uh, we see Jesus uh, living this life and realising that the power he has uh, doesn't come just from himself, it comes from his Heavenly Father and his fellowship with his Father and his obedience to his Father's particular wishes. And that's even more true of us. If we want power in our Christian lives, then that power comes very much from us having a fellowship with God in prayer, having the time to reflect to meditate on the Bible, to pray specific prayers, and, as Jesus did here, to ask for specific guidance. Shall I do this or shall I do that? Jesus was asking, shall I stay at Capernaum or shall I go to another village or shall I travel widely? Shall I go to Jerusalem? All these possibilities existed and he felt he had an answer after his time of prayer. So there's something to learn about prayer, just through the story of what Jesus did, something we can easily pass over, but it's very important. There's also something to learn here about travelling from place to place. The gospel of Jesus is always on the move through disciples and believers like you or me. And Christians are often called to travel from place to place and to spread the good news wherever they go. Now, we might be travelling from place to place 
because of work, because of family, because of things happening in our culture, because of holidays. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why we might be travelling. We might be travelling for very negative reasons. We might be forced to leave our homes through civil war or conflict or persecution. There's all sorts of possibilities. But what I want to do is to point out the significance of travelling and moving around. Jesus did it very consciously and deliberately. And in the Christian mission amongst churches, church leaders and evangelists and people on the front line of the Christian mission, movement is very important. In the book of Acts, this is particularly accompanied by church planting, planting churches in new places. And here we are in the 21st century. We still need to plant many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of churches across our world in order to be close enough socially to people to reach them for Christ. And so some of you may be called to travel, to plant churches and to evangelise, as well as to find travelling in your life an opportunity uh, to share your faith with other people. But travelling and moving stimulates the development of God's kingdom and the advance of his kingdom. We see this pattern time and time again in the Gospels. This is the first time we see it clearly. Uh, then we're going to see it uh, through Jesus' own life again on different occasions. We're also going to see it through his disciples when he gathers them and he sends them out two by two into all sorts of different places and then subsequent events following that as well. My concluding comment would be just to say that this amazing but brief story here and account is another example of the Nazareth Manifesto of Luke chapter 4, um, uh, verses uh, 16 onwards being fulfilled, where Jesus said that he'd come, but the Spirit of the Lord had anointed him to preach good news to the poor um, and to um, set the oppressed free um, to heal the, the blind, etc. So we have the miraculous dimensions of the gospel being lived out and experienced dynamically. Now, no one can calculate the impact of this. Jesus's reputation was spreading far and wide incredibly quickly. And in this way, the kingdom of God was advancing. So this is a, a very brief account taken from two different perspectives, Mark's perspective and Matthew's perspective. And it's just a link in the chain and another part of the story, which is important for us to reflect on. There are many things we can learn from this passage, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, sharing it with us on this occasion. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.